0: Welcome to episode 10, The World of Jim Henson. On this episode, Johnny discusses Jim Henson's Muppets with special guest and huge Muppet fan, Lisa. We also talk about the 40th anniversary of the first Muppet movie. Eddie tells us which Jim Henson song was on the Top 40 Pop Rock chart in 1970. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage. Take a seat and put up your feet, because we're talking movies.
1: Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg. And we're talking movies. Well, Eddie, as you know, we try to do this at least once a month. And it's been a while since we did this last time. And what I'm talking about is recognizing some major figures in the industry that have passed on. I have four individuals here. Uh, I'm going to start with one. And, and for our listening audience, uh, we try to do this with significant figures in the film industry. The first one is related to the film industry because she did do some acting. And I'm talking about Gloria Vanderbilt, known as the poor little rich girl. She's the heiress to their Vanderbilt railroad fortune. She was an actress, an artist, a fashion designer. She's the one that introduced the Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, considered the first of the designer jean line. She was a socialite. And more recently, she's been known, of course, for being the mother of CNN's Anderson Cooper. Gloria died June 17th, at the age of 95. She's also famous for her marriages. She dated Frank Sinatra. Her first marriage was to Pat DeChico, who was also the PR guy for Howard Hughes, who we mentioned a couple of episodes ago. Then she was married to a conductor, the famous Leopold Stakowski. But most importantly, for our purposes, she was married to the acclaimed director Sidney Lamette, known for his films, particularly 12 Angry Men. Dog Day Afternoon Network, and what I consider Paul Newman's best film, The Verdict. The second one I want to recognize is Rip Torn, primarily known as a character actor, and probably for those people who enjoy the sci fi related films, remember him in the role of Zed in The Men in Black, the first two Men in Black movies. He was a renowned character actor. He was also nominated for an Academy Award back in 1984 for his work in a film called Cross Creek. So he covered the, kind of covered the waterfront. A couple of points that I didn't know about Mr. Uh, Torn, who died, he died on July 9th, and he was age 88. His cousin is Sissy Spacek. His mother was a Spacek, and he is the one who got Sissy Spacek involved in the movie world by introducing her in New York and getting her involved in the actor's studio. Another one, this is... Rutger Auer, he's the Dutch actor who originally appeared as one of the key character replicants in Blade Runner, and he had died in Holland at the age of 75. Now, I'm going to tease Eddie here a bit because he's a Disney guy, and he probably should be wearing a black armband for the next month because this is a pretty significant loss to the film industry and particularly to the, Disney, the world of Disney. I'm talking about the death of Russie Taylor, who died on July 26th. She was age 75. The reason she is significant, she is the voice of Minnie Mouse. And she played Minnie Mouse. It was the voice of Minnie Mouse for over 30 years. More significantly, I think, is the fact that her late husband, Wayne Allwine, was the voice of Mickey Mouse. So she was literally married to Mickey Mouse, and he performed that uh, voice from 1977 uh, up until time of his death. And it was a big loss to the, the Disney world, and that was recognized by Bob Iger, the chairman and CEO, who said that, quote, Minnie Mouse lost her voice with the passing of Russie Taylor. For more than 30 years, Minnie and Russie worked together to entertain millions around the world. A partnership that made many a global icon and Russie a Disney legend beloved by fans everywhere. We're so grateful for Russie's talent, as well as the tremendous spirit and great joy she brought to everything she did. Again, a great loss, all of them passing these last few weeks. Well, there we go, Eddie. It's recognition of those individuals. So, where are we going today? Well, Johnny. I have a hint for you. I like hints. I don't always have the answer, but I like hints. That's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star, Shirley
2: Bassey. Yeah!
1: Shirley Bassey's going to be... Is Shirley Bassey coming? Playing the part of Shirley Bassey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not Shirley Bassey.
0: (laughs) You may not have noticed. Towards the end of the show, I've been talking about, at some point, we would honor the 40th anniversary of The Muppet Movie, with having a show on Jim Hansen, and also having a special guest who's a big fan of The Muppets and The Muppet Show. Our special guest is Lisa. Thank you for joining us today, Lisa.
2: Thank you very You're much welcome. for
0: having me. You're very welcome. Before we go to questions and stuff, I'm just going to go over some of the little trivia type stuff that I found on Mr. Henson. So we'll do that real quick. And first, I'd like to say that, uh, Johnny, I spent a lot of time last night and today trying to find an article that I thought I read that had all the information that I wanted to talk about today. Well, I, I found it all on the Wayback Machine at the IMDB. That's what I was reading and
1: couldn't find. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as you get older, you kind of have problems remembering things. I You should know that, so I understand. That's right. So
0: just a couple quick things. And some of this, I'm sure our guest knows. He created the original Kermit the Frog out of his mother's old coat and ping pong balls. I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm pretty sure you know this. He died the same day as Sammy Davis Jr. Yep. And here's the thing: he was also, as Johnny is, was Jim was a good friend of George Lucas. All oh, right. Now, uh, many of you may not know that Johnny here um, did tour the Skywalker, Skywalker Ranch. Ranch. Absolutely.
1: And then he also had lunch. With George Lucas. George Lucas. Now, the fact that he was four tables over with his two kids, I still, I was in the same room with him. <laughs> I, I, it, to me, that counts. <laughs> Does me too.
0: <laughs> his funeral at St. John the Divine in New York was attended by over 1,000 people and Muppets. He had a hit song that was on the top 40 billboard chart for pop rock in August of 1970. It stayed on the chart for seven weeks, peaking at number 16. Anybody know what that song was? Rubber Ducky.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Rubber Ducky. I got Howard the Duck, and now we got Rubber Ducky. I mean, come on. (laughs) Oh, and finally,
0: this is the biggest thing that was kind of... It's kind of sad. As a Disney fan and a person who goes to Disney World every once in a while, This would have been a cool thing, and I'm sure our guests would agree. When Jim died, he died a few days before signing a contract with Disney for $150 million, um, which he actually, the proceeds he was actually going to give to, or a lot of it to the Muppet performers and employees of the Henson Company. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But if it would have gone through, it was pretty interesting. Besides a lump sum of cash he'd get, he'd also receive a 15-year production deal with Disney which would include feature films and television specials, casting power over Muppet performers, veto power over the use of Kermit. It also would have had a land in, at the time, Disney MGM Studios, which is now Disney Hollywood Studios. And it's they it would have had a fully functional TV and movie studio set specifically for the Muppets. Also, uh, a replica of the hotel that's in my favorite Muppet movie, which we can go into a little later, uh, The Great Muppet Caper. Live parades, live shows, Muppets 3D, which is there. And the biggest ride that was supposed to be was The Great Muppet Ride, which MGM or Hollywood Studios' major ride, it isn't anymore, they actually closed it, but was The Great Movie Ride. Well, he wanted to do a parody of it. In the same park over in Muppet Land. Fortunately, none of that happened except the Muppets 3D, which is actually the last project that Jim Henson did before he died. There's a lot more, a lot of cool stuff, but we can have
1: time for that some other day. So from here, we'll go to our guest. Well, I'm going to ask a real simple question because I'm the one person sitting around here that uh, probably knows, other than the fact I know some of the Muppets and I know who Jim Henson was and some of the early time Sesame Street in particular I'm going to ask a simple question to get uh, Lisa rolling here when did you first discover the Muppets so to speak was it on Sesame Street or in some other way
2: I remember watching Sesame Street when I was a kid. And I remember when we went to the grocery store, they had those books that you could buy, like the first one for 99 cents. And then every week they come out with a new one. And when I was a little girl, they had a set of Sesame Street books and my mom got them for me. And I was just over the moon loving those books. But Really what started it all, the passion for me, was watching the Muppet show with my grandpa on Saturday nights. That was was like heaven to me. He wasn't really watching the show. He was reading the newspaper. But to me, spending that time with him and laughing was just a wonderful memory that just continued my love for the Muppets.
1: It's amazing how that happens. I got football. I got started on football with my grandfather, and I think there's a lot of kids that whatever whatever the vehicle was, whatever the reason was, it wasn't always about the thing. It was the fact that you were there with somebody very important, and he was spending time with you and you alone.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So you helped... From what you're what you're saying, you didn't probably buy the book. Your mother or father paid for the book, so you helped start building the Muppet Empire.
2: <laughs> Is that Where's what I'm my hearing? money for that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: ninety nine cents a pop. <laughs> you get a lot of ninety nine cents, and pretty soon it adds up. Well,
2: the Muppet Show itself was such a fun. Program to watch. It was entertaining because it was always so chaotic. Mm-hmm. The show never went as Kermit wanted it to go. There was always something going wrong. Maybe Miss Piggy having a meltdown and not coming out of her dressing room, or maybe Gonzo going in the cannon and in the cannon blowing up. <laughs> It was um, just always entertaining. It was a show that you don't have to think. You just have to watch and enjoy.:
1: I'd like to see more of that, frankly. I, I always loved that part I loved because they had all these famous people on there and always got bashed around, got made fun of, butt of jokes. And they couldn't help themselves. Almost anybody that I've ever seen try to appear, even though they show up on talk shows, a host can't stay on track. They all get sucked into some kind of laughter. They lose it. They lose it. And they're just real. They, when you talked about the funeral, I would have loved to have seen that, because, not for all the people attending, the mere fact that those characters, because they are real. Right. Aren't they? Big Bird
0: actually walked up to the front and sang a song during the funeral.
2: Well, I think that they're real in our hearts. It's a huge um, part of my childhood. And with this being the 40th anniversary of the Muppet movie, um, which is my all-time favorite movie ever, it's it just reminds you of the simpler times. And what I, I also love that they had so many celebrities in the movie. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I remember watching and like, oh, wow, that's, I know who that is. That's from so-and-so, and it, it's just, it, it's cool to see. And I even re the Muppet movie today, and it never gets old. For me, never. It is always, I maybe see something new, or, and I still laugh. I mean, it's still... Even after watching it so many times, it still entertains me.
1: The reason we do this program, and we've joked about it many times, is Eddie and I have talked about. My wife, for example, why are you watching that again? We all have certain things we can go back to, and it's, comfort, it's like eating comfort food. There's friends. You're in a good mood. You want to see this. You're in a kind of a down mood. This will bring you up like a Hoosiers, like Hoosiers. You want to, you know, if you're down and out, you watch Hoosiers, you can do anything. I mean, that's the th- kind of thing. That's that's what we talk about here, what the movies can do. And when you think, what do he take? Some green cloth, a couple ping pong balls. Look what he created. And all these other things are made out of, you know, red cloth, green cloth, purple cloth, black cloth, and suddenly you get something that you can't.
2: Yeah, something that he shared with the whole world, which how many people can say that?
1: simple thing. You said the simple thing. And see, that, that, that's the theme that you, you get from all these characters, even the Grouch.
0: Oscar the Grouch?
1: Oscar the Grouch, yeah, uh, Oscar that, the Grouch. That's your favorite character. It would be. Now, you must like Cookie Monster. Oh, <laughs> wow. Actually, I did like Cookie Monster. Actually, <laughs> super, super Grover, but- we, don't, we want to detract, we want to give our guest all the time she needs. So don't let, don't mind the two two clowns over here, Lisa. <laughs> Just keep going.
2: Okay. Talking about favorites, yes, I, of course, have a favorite Muppet. I would think. And that has to be Fozzie the Bear. Fozzie the... Fozzie's the best. He tells the worst jokes. (laughs) He is probably the most unfunny (laughs) bear in the world. Thank Uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you.
0: Fozzie recorded that as a a message knowing that you were coming on the show.
2: Oh. so I just wanna do well, yeah, fuzzy. But I also have to recognize Gonzo the Great. He um he is one big weirdo, and I think that we can we can all sort of relate to him that we're all weird in some way and it's okay. And Pepe a king prawn he is such a complex about being a shrimp that he makes sure that he reminds everybody that he is not a shrimp he is a king prawn what well,
0: was he in the he wasn't in the
1: original he was, was not he, in the newer, original but, but yeah. i
2: had to give him a mention
1: yeah well they have, that's one of the things they have done when you go back as i said i mentioned sp- Sesame Street. How these characters have evolved and and grown, of course, out of somewhat out of necessity and somewhat out of just imagination. That somebody said, "Hey, this might be a cool character," and they created him
0: on the Disney Fantasy cruise boat. There's actually a room, the little teeny door. When you walk down one hallway, and it's Peppy's room,
2: and that's a part of the the little clue thing that they have on the ship you go to different places they give you clues you have to solve the, the crime it was and, all muppet uh,
0: themed yeah
2: yeah that's pretty uh that's adorable <laughs> adorable <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would Ooh. be a fuzzy bear
2: joke <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you had a favorite movie do you have they've made several movies is there are there any that uh, you didn't think made the grade
2: yeah, I did not care for Muppet Treasure Island, and Muppet Christmas Carol really wasn't one of my favorites. Is that
1: the one? Did that have Michael? Caine? Who was that? Who played? Uh, I think it was Michael. Yeah, Kane. Michael. I thought it was Caine. Michael. Caine. And I, we love Michael Caine. We, I, would watch anything he's in. Uh, and I knew he had. I think he was on that other show too at one time. I don't. Might be wrong about the Muppet Show. I I thought he was in The Christmas Carol. Yes.
0: Ironically, both of those movies were made by Disney after Jim Henson died. So, which normally everything Disney touches is awesome to, to myself,
1: at least, except those two movies. Well, it's interesting because you talked, when you talked about the deal that didn't go through, and now, ironically, Disney now owns this many years later. And as I said... I would think, just like you, having grown up with Walt and his early movies and the TV show and Mickey Mouse Club, that everything they used to touch was basically gold. I've made the same comment in other movie. When the studio heads, the brains of the outfit sometimes, think they know what's best for the market, and they forget the purity of what they have, and they try to make it somehow different because, well, it can't continue to work this way. And you've just proved after 40 years, yeah, what they started with it's good enough to continue 40 years because anybody that's around 40, 50 or a business that lasts 100 years is a rarity. And generally, it's because they stayed with the same formula. They didn't mess what was already working. They didn't, get, they didn't try to outsmart things. That's what always worries me when these big companies kind of get involved and in too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. But anyway.
2: Well, I think that Disney has not done the Jim Henson empire any justice. I feel that they have neglected putting out enough movies or programs starring the Muppets. But also, like when you go to Disney World and you do the 3D experience thing that they have there, at the end of it, when you come out, there is such a small selection of souvenirs that they have there. It's just in one little back wall and then the rest of that area is different things Disney and it's it's disappointing because as a huge fan of the Muppets you don't really have a lot of things to choose from. I mean there aren't a lot of mugs or t-shirts. I think like the last time they were there there was like three t-shirts to choose from. I think that they could make it into something more but they're choosing to go to, you know, Toy Story or Cars, stuff like that. Those movies are entertaining, but I just feel that they have not used the full potential of The Muppets.
0: I think a lot of that, from what I've read and saw, that Michael Eisner loved The Muppets. And he was kind of the driving force to even buy it and make this deal with with Jim Henson and all that. My thought is most likely after he left the company, that things switched in a different direction. Now, there is one thing last time that I was there, but I didn't get to watch at all, is they actually now feature the Muppets in the Magic Kingdom in Liberty Square, where it's all the old, I don't know what year. Colonial times. Yeah, colonial time, And they actually have these little history shows where they pop out of the windows and they talk about Paul Revere and stuff like that. Haven't really sat down and, and watched all those pieces and parts of the show, but they're using it there. And there are talks that The Muppets might not even be in Hollywood studios very long with Star Wars and all that kind of stuff that's going on. Again, movies, and we go into everything. That's just everything is connected all the way down to a uh, um, a vacation spot.
1: Well, that's that's a big concern with all the blockbusters, as you talked about. You start getting away from character and see, we've always talked, and I, I firmly believe the characters matter, whether they be made of cloth or they be living actors or they even be CG created or some cartoon uh, or animatronic. If you believe in them, they have value and the story is good enough. They'll carry the story, but you have to have faith in the characters. And now Roy Disney died. You've have a squabble between Disney and the daughter of, of uh, I think it's Roy's daughter. Is it not? She's challenging. And of course it's a corporation and they answered to different, you know, the, the stockholders, and they're worried about the box office. Eddie, you talk about, well, they made $500 million on this one. Well, now can we get to 750 Can we get to a billion? Can we get to a billion, too? When that becomes the goal, somehow the characters or what they see as not significant characters don't have the value that might put, I don't know what the biggest Muppet movie was. It probably didn't bring in a billion dollars. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there isn't a market for it. Indie films, and we've talked about this, even the indie films. Why are the indie films so successful? They make them on a shoestring, and yet millions of people eventually get around to watching them because the story is great. The characters are great. They move people, make them laugh, make them cry. The Muppets do all that. Make you laugh. And let's face it, you probably like to spend a little more time with some Muppets hanging around you. And some of the other things that we've seen on the screen, I can tell you
0: that. <laughs> is this the one where the guy's trying to catch him so that he's frog, the uh, yeah the poster? Frog of, yeah, for the, the frog, the frog legs.
1: legs.
2: Maybe we should touch more on premise of the movie. So we. Open I forget what up, the
1: which one was the first.
2: The, yeah, the, we open up with. Waldorf and Statler driving in their fancy car, probably a Rolls Royce, I didn't pay too close of attention, into the worldwide studios to watch the premiere of the Muppet movie. Actually, they were there to heckle it. And this is where we see our first celebrity, which was Mel Brooks as the security guard. And they go into the the studio and here's the chaotic room. This is the Muppets. They're chaotic. There's People eating cushions and throwing popcorn and just being loud and screaming. And they're all there to watch this movie that was their dream. And they start watching the film. It's from above the clouds and it's going slowly into the picture of a swamp. But then you see a rainbow. And then as they're zooming in on the swamp, a banjo starts to play and then we hear Kermit singing the iconic Rainbow Connection. As he's finishing up, he hears somebody yelling for help, and there is the amazingly funny Dom Deloise with a rowboat, and he is trying to figure out how to get out of the swamp because he's got to get home, and he needed help, and the first of many gags that's through the movie is Kermit saying, have you tried Harry Krishna? That was a huge thing through the whole movie. Dom DeLuise is like, no, that's not what I need. I need help getting out of this swamp. I got to go back home because I'm a big agent in Hollywood. The agent shows him there's an audition in Hollywood for Frogs. And he says, you'd be perfect for that. And then Kermit is like, he tells him, you know, well, you got to go this way and watch out for the alligators. And he's like, alligators? And he's like, yeah, alligators. And here comes Barney. (laughs) And he is basically trying to say, hey, I want to go to Hollywood. But he's not listening because he's an alligator. And it gets Kermit thinking, oh, maybe maybe I should maybe I should go to Hollywood you know what maybe I well yeah maybe I should give it a try follow this dream and starts the whole um, movie the premise of following your dreams and along the way meeting friends making friends and having them realize their dreams and doing it together as a group because that's the Muppets they're a group Kermit is perfect because he he tolerates everybody's little idiosyncrasies that would drive somebody normally crazy. He puts up with Miss Piggy and her drama. He puts up with Animal terrorizing everybody. He tolerates Fozzie's bad jokes and this dream of his becomes other dreams of other characters along the way. And this movie is about their journey to get there. And it is a wonderful journey. There's so many more celebrities in it. Um, Of course, a lot of those celebrities have now passed away. And maybe the younger generation if they were to watch the Muppet movie now it would be like oh who's that I've never seen anybody like that but I mean we have Telly Savalas we have like I said Dom DeLuise Mel Brooks Steve Martin we have a lot of a lot of famous people of the day and it's actually entertaining to see how young they once were time goes so fast
1: yeah, we talk about that a lot because we've talked about our, I mean, you see a movie back, and of course, I bring a little more historical perspective, being a little bit older and seeing some of the old timer. What movies all old timer movies, but again, there's value in these people going back and seeing this, and I think the young kids, because the story. Look how many people still watch Judy Garland. Right. Go to try to find the wizard. Okay. Right, and they don't know who Judy Garland is except now they know who she is at least in the context of that movie and all those great characters around her, and that's the beauty of movies that keeps these people alive. I, ironically, that was Jim Henson's favorite movie.
2: What the Muppet movie?
0: No, oh, the, the Wizard, Wizard of was, Well,
1: the Rainbow thing, the Rainbow Connection thing. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I didn't read. That's a one. That's one song from the Muppets I I know, and I didn't say you when know, when you were saying what that would have been one I would have thought would have made the Big time. Yeah. I mean, everybody was kind of, they knew those first, when they hear that banjo, yeah, they knew exactly where they were going. And that frog can sing, man. That frog can sing. He
2: can dance, too.
1: <laughs> so there, there's a
2: second
0: Jim Henson movie that is also one of your favorites.
2: Yes. That would be Labyrinth.
0: Which I, I was the reason I mentioned, I look over here in my notes. Jim Henson suffered severe depression after critical and commercial failure. Of the labyrinth from '86, I think it's one of those things where it might fail at the
1: box office, but it, a lot of people I, I watch it. I think
2: labyrinth is. You ever seen popular. the labyrinth, John? You know, I,
1: I know of the film, and it, there's one, another one of those things. A lot of people they had him pegged, and he wanted to break out and do a little more creativity, and people say, "No, no, no, Jim Henson can't go there. That, that's not Jim. H- that's not Jim Henson." Right, because it know. was
2: a darker it, film.
1: Oh yeah, it was more of an adult oriented thing, right? I mean, he, he wanted to stretch the creativity and this happens a lot. We we film goers can do that. Why is he in that movie? I don't buy him in that one. We always say, watch the movie, judge it on your own. Don't listen to the negative. I mean, well, you were right. It was a bad movie, but at least now I know I'm baited him on my own judgment or boy, it's a much better movie than I heard it was, but I'm sorry that happened to him. But I'm, I'm somewhat not surprised. I'd actually forgotten about it. I, I remember that.
2: The Labyrinth was very good, but it was significantly darker than his other movies.
1: He may be looking down
0: a little, shocked of the movie that Jim Henson Company did recently. Now, this isn't Disney-related. Disney got so many characters and rights, but then the Jim Henson Company still went on doing other things. movie that's come out recently called, was it called The Happy... Uh,
2: Happy Time Murders? Rated R? Because yes. it has some
0: pretty wacky puppet stuff going on
2: it is actually very inappropriate i think even for an adult (laughs) yeah
1: i saw the trailer for that thing and uh, yeah there again maybe having no respect for the property you know that there's there again somebody got oh, it's a great idea let's make it more modern let's make it more twisted
2: well the thing is that's sad is is that's his son who is a part of that wanted to expand to more adult things
1: and you almost have to create a whole new realm of characters to do that. I would think mm-hmm. you can't put Kermit or something. I, I didn't see the film, so no, I don't they, know. Who. You can't take those same characters and suddenly put them into some kind of situation. As if they, I was, they, a, they weren't in that. Disney did make one that was a TV show here recently,
0: where like Fozzie Bear was dating a human and and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that didn't
1: last yeah, very long. No, I mean, but see that even even who dreams this stuff up? I mean, come on, you know. That's my opinion. But anyway, seemed like a great idea at the time in the meeting.
0: In my opinion, one of the best movies, not to be confused with the greatest movie that came out this spring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about in the Muppet realm, Emmett Otter's Christmas.
1: Oh, Lads, my whom goodness. I'm
2: sure you'll enjoy. They call themselves the Frogtown Holla Jubilee Jug Band. Much alike we
1: are. Perhaps we long lost brothers. Touches the valley. All
0: the clouds are taught to fly understand understand when the river meets
1: that is a classic that seas. is a classic that was an awesome movie, but anyways, I, yeah. who is I, it I the snake river band or somebody wins that a bunch of, yeah. bunch of snakes yeah. or something that win I love the frog in that though
2: <laughs> I don't know I'll disagree. I think that was um a flop.
1: Well, well, we got disappointed because Turner Network used to show it on TV almost every Christmas, and then suddenly it kind of disappeared, and we were upset. My wife and I watched it when it first came out. and Well, my wife made a mistake and actually bought the DVD from me, and she <laughs> doesn't like the movie. But- <laughs> well, you can bring it. We'll, we'll, we'll look at it. First of all, let's thank Lisa for taking time to be with us today. We enjoyed it. And our listeners out there. Please feel free to send in any comments and if you want to write something. We'll make sure that Lisa can comment back.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: And, and just everybody may remember during my little endings, I've said there would be a special announcement. Lisa is going to have hopefully the next couple months. We're calling it a special edition. We're talking in-depth Jim Henson where she's going to dig a little deeper into the movies and the puppetry and stuff like that. I want to thank you for doing that. Thank you.
1: You were going to comment on something but I think we should mention one movie because it does open today and we're going to be probably mini-reviewing that thing it's sometime this, during the month. Today, Hobbs and Shaw opened in theaters. It's a spinoff of The Fast and the Furious. Actually, the
0: official title is Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Real quick, I did look and see. We have to watch 2015 Furious 7 and 2017 The Fate of the Furious because both characters are in those and it kind of gives you a backdrop on then having this movie. And there is one other thing I found very interesting. The director of this movie also directed Atomic Blonde.
1: Oh, wow. And
0: also is the producer of all three but he was the co director of the one, the only, John Wick.
1: Ah, and he is also a former stunt. Stunt man, stunt coordinator. Yep. So the two stunt guys are now doing directing and they both
0: got involved with John Wick. There was a rumor and he said it was true. They actually tried to get Keanu Reeves into this Hobbs and Shaw or the furious world, but it never could happen. So, anyways, that's that. Terrific. Terrific. Well, what's the clock on the wall telling us, Eddie? Well, Johnny, it looks like it's time again. But before I turn it over to you, as always, we thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. We have a lot of great shows coming up. Next week, we will have our first top five genre show. As I mentioned last week, the top five genre shows consist of Johnny and I each sharing our own top five movies of the genre theme of that episode. The genre theme for the episode that is going to be coming up next week is crime, which is stories about crime that are being committed or were committed or the accounts of a criminal's life. So that should be very interesting. And in two weeks, we have We're Talking Famous Dialogue. One of them I'm sure will be. I'll give him an offer he can't refuse. Right? There you go. I tried. <laughs> Please tell your family and friends about our podcast. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio. New episodes will drop every Monday. Visit Johnny's blog on our website, talkingmovies.com. There you'll find additional commentary, show notes, and references that were mentioned in the show. You will all be shocked if you go on there right now because he has actually caught up to episode eight, right? Which you will
1: be posting soon, and nine will be following shortly.
0: Uh, the easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we're com, talkingmovies.com. Scrolling to the bottom of the page and clicking either the Apple Podcast button, the Google Podcast button, or the iHeartRadio button. The podcast is also available on all of your favorite platforms, except Pandora. If you have a show idea or if you just want to say, you're killing me, Smalls, what movie dialogue would that come from? you watched the movie recently, you're killing me, Smalls! because you came in and told me about it, it was a movie that we mentioned during the baseball. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, Sandlot, the Sandlot.
1: Oh, Sandlot! I just watched it. I didn't catch that part. Maybe I was not paying attention in that. Part. The end of that movie, as I said, the best part of that whole movie. It's kind of it's kind of fun. It's a Disney film and it's cute about the kids. Best part: is the last fifteen minutes.
0: I thought. Send your comments through our website, DM us on Instagram, or tweet us at We Talking Movies. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash
1: Movies. We would love to hear from you. That's it for me. Minor note about next week. I did get Eddie to grant me that all the films did not have to be in color. But they, but they do have to have sound. Please. <laughs> they will have sound. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Looks like that's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black. This is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again.